This is Channel 253. In this episode of Nerd Farmer. In my world of white Tacoma lawyers, nobody was paying much attention to that case or was very aware of it until the News Tribune broke the story that the medical examiner had determined that it was a homicide, mm-hmm. which was months after. That was like in the, in the late spring, early summer, months afterwards. Um, the mayor didn't know how serious this incident had been until the newspaper broke the story. That's wrong. Did you know Channel 253 is member-supported? I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I hope you will show your support by going to channel253.com slash membership and join. Thank you. This is the Nerd Farmer Podcast, a national conversation through a local lens. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Nerd Farmer Podcast brought to you by Tapco Credit Union, Pacific Lutheran University, and Libro FM. My name is Nate, and I'm your host, an American teacher abroad. I am really excited for this episode. Uh, normally, my past practice has been that I do a end-of-the-year episode, uh, and I've had some really great end-of-the-year roundtables. I think my all-time favorite was the roundtable with G. Scott from Cairo Radio, with Jana Henshard from King TV at the time, and with my man Andrew Hammond, three-time show guest from the News Tribune, uh, talking up uh, 2018. Man, it's been a while. Uh, this year, I decided, because 2020 was so... Hmm, interesting. No, let's just be real. It was such, such, such a mess that like I didn't want to recap the year. Like, what am I going to say? My father died because of the incompetence of my home country, home country from a preventable pandemic. What am I going to say? I gained 15 pounds because my country instituted a real quarantine and a real lockdown. And like, I wasn't allowed to leave. And like, it's for the best. And like, I'm trying to, you know, new year, new me, I'm going to work it off. But like, what are we going to talk about? Major League Soccer decided to play a season through a pandemic in which like dozens of players were infected with a virus that could have long term impact on their health. Like, what are we going to say? Unpaid college football players uh, were basically flown across the country and playing games in front of fans like to whose benefit, like recapping 2020 was not something I wanted to do. So instead, I have three guests on for today for a preview of 2021. My first guest is Ellen Lopez. She is host of the Channel 253 podcast, Crossing Division. And she's going to talk through some local civic events uh, that are that she's going to be focused on on her show throughout the year. My second guest is going to be Steve Kettleson. He's the host of the Flounders B-Team podcast, as he says it. And Steve is a local soccer commentator. And the Flounders B-Team is going to talk about some of the stories that they're looking forward to for 2021 involving Rain FC, Tacoma Defiance, and the Seattle Sounders. And then last but not least, uh, my wife, uh, Hope Teague Bowling, the host of the Interchange White Ladies podcast, is going to come on and talk about some of the Ed-centric shows that she's going to be talking about and she's going to cover uh, but before we go there, I, I, I want to just kind of situate us in time. When you're hearing this conversation around January 18th, uh, I want you to know that I'm recording this on January 7th. And I want you to know that because last night the U.S. Capitol uh, was laid siege by violent right-wing extremists and neo-fascists and neo-confederates. And I am not the kind of person to say this very often, but I told you so. Black Americans told you so. Our gay and trans brothers and sisters, they told you so. Immigrants, they told you so. Black women, they told you so. My Muslim brothers and sisters in the U.S., they told you so. If you walk through the history of this podcast, so many of the conversations that we have had on this show were warnings about what happened last night. So I'm here, I'm 12 times away, 7,500 miles away. So for me, it was happening overnight and I was laying in bed, getting messages from people who I care about deeply and friends who I have who work on Capitol Hill, a couple of folks who serve on Congress and folks who were under siege. We told you so when we had the conversation with John Brown Gun Club about fighting the fash and confronting the fash. We told you so when we had the conversation with John Murphy and Shannon McMinnemy about everyday anti-fascism. 
we told you so when we had the conversation with Lori Jenkins about Charlottesville and like what that portended in the future. We told you so when Tacoma Against Nazis came on to move to Tacoma and talked about the neo-Nazis operating, the Hammerstones operating Tacoma uh, Tactown Tattoo uh, and Jason Gravy, who has now been uh, charged by the federal government for, for crimes. We've told you so throughout this. Like, for me, there's been so many moments of like, well, there's been so many moments throughout the last four years that like should have been a wake-up call. After watching what transpired, after watching far-right figures with impunity walk into the U.S. Capitol, vandalize it, damage property, trespass, and then live stream it with impunity because they know they will face no sanction because of the color of skin, it was a lot for me to handle. And so this may be old news to you by the time you hear this, but like, I just want to lay this marker down here on January 7th that like what transpired last night was a crime and that people need to face sanction and consequence. And the people who need to face sanction and consequence are the people who one, committed the acts, but also those that emboldened them and permitted them. And if you come in my mentions or you come in my presence talking about how like we need to have reconciliation and understanding with these people, I'm going to tell you to get lost straight up. All right. So. I just had to get off my chest. So today's conversation is a conversation about 2021 looking forward. Uh, Evelyn and I are going to check in about events last night and then jump into the, 2020, into the 2021 conversation. I want to thank you for downloading the show and being with us. I want to thank you for listening to the network and, th- and listening to the show. And we're going to get to my conversation with Evelyn now. So we'll be back. Hey, Evelyn, welcome to the show. Thanks. I'm happy to be on your show. So I want to thank you because you had me guest host your show and now you're a guest on my show. It's from Channel 253, you know, reciprocity. Um, for the benefit of the audience, I want to be fully transparent that we're recording this uh, basically the day after the incident at the U.S. Capitol. Yes. And by the time you hear this, like this may be a dated conversation, but it's a conversation that I want to go on the record about with, with the audience. Because in many ways, what happened in Washington, D.C. is a I told you so for so many of the issues we talked about here on the network and on the podcast. No, I so, agree. Yeah. Evelyn, what was your experience watching the siege and attempted coup of our Capitol? Uh, you know, it was interesting. Um, <clears throat> I started watching, I was actually working yesterday, but I opened up my, uh, my other laptop um, to turn on um, C-SPAN to take a look at the um, electoral vote, because I knew that certain Republicans were going to face, obje- you know, place objections. And I was sort of curious about how that was going to work. And I lasted on that for all of about maybe seven minutes until I was so disgusted and frankly bored that I thought, you know, forget it. This is, this is, I don't care if this is the moment in history, this is the most boring moment in history ever. And I'm not sitting here for it. Uh, And so I sort of put that aside. I was working away. And then, and then I had noticed on Twitter, people saying, you know, well, the, the Trump crowd, in fact, there was someone who was saying, well, okay, yeah, these Trump, the Trump people are all over the Capitol, but you know, it's just a, it's just sort of a protest and a rally unless someone gets inside the Capitol uh, and then they're going to get shot. And I thought, oh, okay. And then I saw someone saying, they're going through the doors. They're getting into the Capitol. And I turned I turned the C-SPAN back on to see, you know, what the heck's going on. And that was a little bit before they suspended the, um, the debate and shut everything down. And then, and so I was watching and trying to figure out how to get information about what's going on, which I think everyone was doing at that point in time. And the next thing that C-SPAN showed that was live feed, they, they showed, you know, some recordings from earlier in the day. And then the next thing they showed was live feed was just these folks also, you know, these men for the most part in all of their gear and giant backpacks and Trump flags, just sort of casually strolling through the center of the Capitol, past all of the statues, you know, all of them had their phones out, taking pictures. And I just thought, what the hell is going on here, right? No one stopped them at the door. Nobody arrested them upon coming in. Uh, Nobody shot them. They're just strolling. And they all were just sort of making their leisurely way toward the House of Representatives. And then I started seeing, you know, House is locked down. Pence has been removed from the Senate. Senate's locked down. It was like, it was it was an it was almost like an out of body experience. It was like 
it was very much like September 11th, where Joe woke me up after the first plane and said, you know, a plane flew into the World Trade Center. And I said, well, is it like an air traffic control problem? It's like, no, they're saying terrorists. And we turned on CNN and watched the second plane hit. It was one of those things where you're seeing something that doesn't fit within your frame of logic. And so you're just sort of almost without analysis, just absorbing the visuals because you, you, it doesn't make any sense. Evelyn, two things I'm wondering from you. One, at whose feet do you lay blame for what happened yesterday? Well, Trump. I, you know, no for the, well, I guess I would say Trump and then the, um, you know, the cronies and the opportunists who want to play to this dangerous element that Trump has been so, sexful, so successfully romancing. So, yeah, the Ted Cruz's, all of those who, they don't really give a crap about Donald Trump. They don't really obviously give a crap about this country. What they do care about is power. And they see that there's a slice of power to be had by playing to this um, edge of um, white supremacist, uh, anti-government terror. And so they did. So I would say, I blame them. That doesn't mean I let off the hook everyone else who just thought, everything's going to be jolly, even though every single damn day, something happens that makes you think, huh, well, this is a little bit worse than I expected. Yeah. My students today, so, so at my school, we had a town hall after school today and 107 people logged on for basically an, a 50 minute scheduled conversation that went 90 minutes about events. And one of the questions that came up that like I did not have an answer to essentially is like, how do we put this uh, fascist genie back into the bottle? How do you unscrew the situation? Like what is to be done going forward? And I didn't have an answer to that. Your face says you don't have an answer to that. And Doug just snarled. So like, I I'm just wondering like, what's the path back? I don't want to say normal because normal is a cop out. Mm -hmm. uh, what is to be done in this moment? Well, so I'm thinking back to the Oklahoma bombing, Oklahoma City bombing back in, you know, what was that, like 91, 92, something like that. Um, and that was horrifying. You know, I was a, a state employee, a reasonably new attorney at the attorney general's office then. And the idea that um, our fellow citizens, our, dis, our, you know, unhappy fellow citizens would decide to bring a... Um, a truck, you know, rental truck to the front of a um, federal building and blow it up and, and kill people randomly. They, they knew there was a daycare on the first floor and they, and they set it off anyway, killing many children. Um, that was a shock. Mm. You know, you know, people are unhappy at times, you know, there are disagreements, but that, that's a big leap to go from, I hate the government to, I now want to go kill people. Um, but they made that leap. And afterwards, the important thing, frankly, was a full investigation and prosecution and trying to hunt down, you know, how far does this poison go? Clearly, though, you know, it never it, it never gets solved. I mean, the, the militia movements, the white supremacist movements, you know, they've had sort of highs and and then, you know, sort of lows, but they haven't ever really gone away. Um over the last four years, they've been encouraged mm -hmm. to be more public, um, more uh, more out front, as though they have, you know, really very legitimate issues to bring forward. And so I think it's much harder now to try to prevent this behavior than it might have been in the past. I would say that's the whole reason, you know, when you see the debate on Twitter, particularly about, you know, does Trump face any repercussions? What happens now? There has to be accountability when you take up arms against your country and against your fellow citizens. It can't just be a day of like, hey, I understand you've got issues. It's fine. You know, this is all fine and dandy. It's not fine and dandy. This isn't a protest. This is this is assault. This is mayhem. This is terrorism. And if you don't. Um, if you don't treat it like that, then there's no reason to expect that it won't increase. 
I 100% agree. The the part that I was most frustrated by, but also completely unsurprised by, was the tepid response of DC law enforcement. So we've watched all summer uh, nonviolent, sometimes violent, sometimes like kind of violent, sometimes playing instruments in a park, black and young white protesters uh, get assaulted and maced and tased and shot with pellets and had chemical weapons, chemical, chemical munitions deployed to them, deployed against them uh, for protesting against law enforcement. And here you had violent protesters assaulting police and like nary the heavy equipment was in sight. Mm. And a student posed to me like, Mr. Bowling, what does it say? And I stopped them and I was like, you know exactly what it says. Yeah, this is the thing. I, I think that I think the difficulty here is this is that we know mm. intellectually about this. We see it, we know it. We know the truth of the matter is that if you are black or brown, look or live in a way outside of what has been defined as, you know, by law enforcement, you know, what America looks like and acts like, that you will face repercussions. We know this. But we don't often see it on TV this obviously. So it is deeply disturbing because, yes, what you saw yesterday was people who are obviously unfriendly, who are carrying Confederate flags, who are carrying Trump flags, who are dressed in camouflage, heavy, bulky jackets that could conceal anything. I mean, we don't have any suicide bombers in that group, apparently, but they all could have been. They had backpacks. Most of them had heavy backpacks full of God only knows what. And they weren't stopped at the door. And they weren't shot when they came into the, into the lobby. They were allowed to proceed because they were white. Because they didn't look like the type of people that law enforcement is always thinking is dangerous. Dangerous is black. Dangerous is brown. Dangerous is not white. So they were not treated as the danger that they were. We know this, when you see it, it's a gut punch. To see that that, you know, the theory, the discussion, the intellectualization of it all, fine, see it. When you see it and you think, holy crap, you know, we are really in trouble here. We are really in trouble here. Because what I thought yesterday, after all, after I was sort of thinking again, not just absorbing it, was, Anyone who wishes our country ill knows now how to get us. Yep, for sure, for sure. So this actually leads me to the place where I wanted to go because we're talking about law enforcement. We're talking about the year you're coming up. Uh, I chose to not do an end of the year show because like I didn't need more 2020 in my life. Yeah. But I do want to kind of forecast and talk about 2021. And so, Evelyn, you're the host of Crossing Division. Uh, if folks don't listen to that show, one, you should. It's a social podcast on the Channel 253 network. Uh, Evelyn talks about local civic issues every week at Tacoma's talk show, uh, heavy conversations about elections, heavy conversations about local issues of governance. Uh, I enjoy it. It's one way that I stay tapped into my community back home. So Evelyn, I'm just wondering for you, what are some of the issues you're going to be focusing on with the show in 2021? Well, there's, there's, there's sort of, I would say, the normal uh, side of civic life. And then there's um, some big things that we're waiting on. The normal side is we will have city council and mayor elections in 2021. Um, filing week is in May, but we should know long before then who is interested in running. The open position is the one currently held by Robert Toms, that is District 2. Um, so we'll see who puts in for that. Uh, the other races have incumbents in them, um, who normally I would assume will be running again, but this year I have some questions about that. And then, of course, our mayor is running for re-election, uh, and... Um, I don't know who will run against her. I would normally say probably no one run against her because she's she's actually been doing a very fine job. Um, but I'm sure someone will. Uh, there's sort of a in the in the groups of Tacoma that are that are sort of you know have taken up environmental issues, especially at the port as their um, as their main sort of reason for existing. For those groups, uh, a lot of the folks there believe, and I don't disagree with them, that everyone should face an opponent in an election, um, if nothing else, to get the issues out and to get the attention on the issues. So I do think that there will be someone who runs against the mayor, but I don't know who that might be. 
Um, but the big thing I think that I'm waiting on that most of um, sort of the Tacoma Civic Watchers are waiting on is the Manny Ellis um, investigation decisions by the Attorney General's office. And mm -hmm. as a caveat here, I'll say I work at the Attorney General's office, and so I'm not going to give any opinions about whether there was um, misconduct or um, manslaughter or a negligent homicide. But I think that um, there's some real questions there about the conduct of the police. We're all waiting for the attorney general to make a decision on charging or, or whatever else might happen. But that's going to, um, no matter what the decision is, that's going to uh, be very emotional and very upsetting and frankly destabilizing. Um, the mayor will need to be out in front on that. And, um, you know, we'll see what happens with that one. I think, I hope that that will come out soon in the next um, January or February. And the reason I think that is, first of all, it'll be a year since uh, Manny was killed uh, in early March. I think it was like March 3rd or something. Um, plus the legislature's in session and they're taking up a couple of different um, at least the expectation is that they'll be com coming up with a number of provisions to um, try to build on the safety provisions of Initiative 940 and put some actual teeth and requirements in place for when police have a, um, a death in custody or a serious uh, injury caused by police. So it's kind of the time to, to issue that decision um, and move forward on that case. One of my rules on the show is don't get guest fired. Mm -hmm. And so you mentioned you work for the Attorney General's office, which appreciated full disclosure. Here's a wonder. Given the amount of now demonstrably false information that was spread after the shooting, mm -hmm. and given the amount of, oh, hey, by the way, rev revelations we've seen, including mm -hmm. the presence of two additional officers who were actually involved, uh, like in physically confronting uh, Manuel Ellis when like on the ground. My wonder is, is even if it's not a charge for murder or manslaughter, is it commonplace slash likely slash probable that there might be a charge of obstruction or something like that? Yeah. Um, you know, so that's something that we haven't generally seen when you look around the country at the various uh, reviews of officer um, involved deaths. Um, I think it'll be interesting to watch and to see what happens. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think that that's very likely, but I think it's something that we should be discussing locally. Um, and that was, you had asked me sort of, you know, to make a prediction for 2021 and I have one, but it's an easy one. But, but here's what I, here's what I have instead that's better than an easy prediction. Uh, and that is a, a recommendation and it's a recommendation for the mayor. And that is that she is not being served by our current city manager. Um, she has had at least three occasions in this year where she has been surprised um, by serious big issues. The first was the Manuel's death and the officers involved. You know, the protocol needs to be the, the mayor gets the first, you know, or second phone call. I mean, the city manager needs to know immediately and the city manager needs to immediately notify the mayor. So the mayor has a chance to gather her thoughts and, and you know, decide on what she can do that is the best thing for the people of the city, which I think she did a really good job on, but she was surprised like everyone else. Nobody really even was paying, I will say nobody, in my world, in my world of white Tacoma lawyers, nobody was paying much attention to that case or was very aware of it until the News Tribune broke the story that the medical examiner had determined that it was a homicide, mm -hmm. which was months after. That was like in the, in the late spring, early summer, months afterwards. Um, the mayor didn't know how serious this incident had been until the newspaper broke the story. That's wrong on, on just fundamental respect level. The mayor wasn't informed by the county executive that the county was taking up the idea of, of destroying the um, Tacoma Pierce County Health Department. She should have been called before that issue even hit the table. She wasn't. That's insulting. That is that is not an acceptable thing. And now we find out that there was a fourth Tacoma police officer involved and involved in a very significant way. She didn't know. Nobody knew. It's almost been a year. What's going on? 
okay? What's going on in the Tacoma Police Department that they don't tell who is involved in a significant issue at all? They only do things when the press finds out about it and they have to. Does that mean they didn't tell the city manager? Because that's a big issue. They report to her. And if they did, why on earth was the mayor left in the dark? I mean, this is just fundamental, not how you do things. We are the second largest city in the state of Washington. I mean, I know Spokane may be bigger because of Spokane Valley, but in terms of the urban area, we are the second largest urban area in this state. We are the most racially diverse city in this state. Our mayor needs to have that information. She doesn't have it. It is time for the city manager to retire. She can retire, move along. I'm not saying she's done a bad job. I'm just saying she's not what our mayor needs. So that's what I would like to see happen in 2021 is some real hard look at who's doing what and whether the needs of the elected officials, the mayor in particular, whether the needs of the people are being met by our current um, city manager and high place staff in the city. I'm just struck by this is the second consecutive episode where somebody has basically called for the city manager to be replaced. And I feel like where there's smoke, there's fire. Yeah. All right, Evelyn, you mentioned that I asked you to make a prediction. And mm-hmm. so for each guest coming on today, I'm asking them to make a very specific prediction. So no like weasel stuff like, oh, Trump's going to still be around. Like, we know that. Or like, oh, COVID's still going to be around. We know that. Evelyn, what's your very specific prediction? Okay. This is this is my big this is a question mark prediction because I don't know, but this is my big question. And so I will predict and say that Chris Beale will decide not to run for re-election for city council. Hmm. Chris Beale representing East Tacoma, South Tacoma, uh, my house in Tacoma. Yeah. And I, and, I, and I don't think at all he's done a bad job, but, you know, he sort of went silent almost immediately after joining the city council. And I just have no sense that it is turning out to be something that he um, enjoys or finds satisfying. I may be wrong, but, you know, at least to, to an outside observer, I don't see that he's um, getting much out of this experience. Mm-hmm. All right. Evelyn, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, Evelyn, if folks want to start listening to Crossing Division, uh, how can they find it? Where can they find it? Where should they look? Website, Twitter, all that stuff? Well, they can look at all of the normal platforms for um, – you know, for podcasts, um, Apple, um, Spotify, et cetera. What I tend to send people to is just to the, to the website for the, um, for the program. So that's crossingdivision.com. And uh, you can find us there and you can find me on uh, social media. And I usually post about the, about the shows and links to the shows too, both on Facebook and on Twitter. Evelyn, thank you so much. You're welcome. All right, so we'll be back with Steve Kettleson from the Flounders B-Team Podcast. Hello, this is Eric Hanberg, host of the Channel 253 podcast, We Art Tacoma. It's no secret that Tacoma's real estate market is off the charts right now. And whenever I have a question about what's happening, I take them to everyone's favorite pod auntie, Marguerite Martin. I trust her for so many reasons, but one of them is that she's not trying to sell me a house. After 16 years helping Tacomans buy homes, she's now a professional real estate matchmaker. That means her entire focus is getting you connected with the best agent for what you need. She helps you find experts because no agent is good at everything. Marguerite knows all the agents and she knows their specialty. Tell her what you're looking for and she'll help you swipe right for your perfect real estate agent. She helps me and my wife find an amazing agent to sell our condo downtown. And when we are ready to buy our next home, we'll turn to her for a match again. Best of all, getting a referral doesn't cost a dime. The agent pays Marguerite a finder's fee if you end up buying or selling. And you can rest easy knowing that you're going to get a great agent who specializes in exactly what you're looking for. To get started, visit movetotacoma.com and hit the contact form. Thank you, Marguerite, for getting Channel 253 up and running and your ongoing support of local media. And 
And we are back. I want to thank you for downloading and listening to the show. I'm going to ask you for two favors. Favor number one, if you are listening to the show and are enjoying what you hear, please, on whatever service you're listening to, if it allows you to leave a review, leave a review, five stars preferably, explanatory even better about what you enjoy about the show. It helps people find the show and spread the gospel of the nerd farm. (laughs) Second, This is a labor of love, but also this is worth supporting, in my opinion. And Channel 253 memberships are an excellent opportunity to support local media in this new calendar year. Listen, a membership is $4 a month or it's $40 a year, which means a Channel 253 membership is cheaper than a meal at Subway. And by the way, why are you in a Subway in the first place? But that's not my point. If you join Channel 253, uh, you get get access to our new member Slack, which is popping. Like all your Tacoma faves are on there spilling all the tea all the time. Uh, what I do is I post shows early. And this year, uh, as we exit out of the plague and the apocalypse, we'll be hosting some member-only events, inshallah, hopefully. Uh, there will be opportunities for you to interface with us uh, once we're all vaccinated. So please, channel253.com slash membership. It is $4 a month or $40 a year. All right. So now in studio, uh, the man, the myth, the legend, the dopiest laugh in the city of Tacoma, uh, Stephen Kettleson, the host of the Flounders B-Team podcast. podcast. That's right. Hi. Thank you, Nate. How are you doing today? It's been a long time since I saw you in person. You know what? Looking slim, looking good, Stephen. Uh, So something that's interesting about like this show is basically like my wandering curiosities. And each of the folks who I'm talking to today are basically in one of the Venn diagrams of my curiosity. So I start off with Evelyn talking about like local politics. I'm talking to you about local soccer and I'll talk to Hope in a little bit about like teaching and justice matters. Steve, the Flounders were kind of quiet this year. Yes, we were. Yes, we were. Um, so as the, uh, as the season started picking up here uh, for, well, let me talk a little bit first about what Flounders B team is. Um, yeah, we are a, uh, we are a hyper local soccer podcast, right? So we're focused primarily on the Seattle Sounders, our, our faves, and uh, of course, the Tacoma Defiance, formerly S2, and uh, OL Reign, the women's team that is uh, that has been playing at uh, Cheney Stadium for the past uh, couple of years, right? Um, we are, um, as, as a podcaster of mine likes to say, a uh, favorite podcaster of mine likes to say, unbought and unbossed. We uh, <laughs> don't deal with front offices uh, or any of that for access. Um, if we are able to talk to players, if we're able to talk to staff, we will. Uh, but um, we, we, we're basically, we don't, we're, we're irreverent. We don't take ourselves super seriously and we just love the sport. We love the game. And um, when things started going a little bit awry last year, uh, we had, um, you know, of course the global pandemic uh, that halted the, uh, the MLS season and a whole lot of machinations from major league soccer as to how they were going to actually continue play. We also saw a bunch of really weird stuff with, um, with, uh, uh, for some reason, I can't remember the name of the USL. Uh, <laughs> we had a bunch of machinations with, with USL and, and, and a whole bunch of COVID infections and all of these things. And it just didn't seem that the, uh, that, the league, especially MLS, uh, gave a whole lot of uh, care and thought to how players were going to be impacted by this. They invented a pretty significant, you know, uh, they called the, we, we lovingly called it the COVID cup, right? Um, <laughs> where they had this, uh, this bubble environment um, where uh, down in Florida, where they were playing and, and players were isolating from their families and all of this stuff. And, and, Uh, so that MLS could continue with the season or have some sort of tournament that had some sort of outcome that would drive marketing for all these teams and keep players playing. Well, uh, COVID, the, the, the bubble itself seemed to work out okay, but we were very concerned um, as a podcasting team about how that was going to actually play out. We thought that there would be significant infections and, you know, uh, uh, longtime listener, uh, uh, scratch that. And uh, we found that um, while there weren't a whole lot of uh, infections or problems with that bubble environment, um, they kind of took that MBA model, right? 
and that worked out fairly well. After this tournament happened, um, they tried to go back to business as usual uh, with, you know, lighter restrictions and, uh, you know, masks and below the nose and all that all that stuff that we, that we, uh, that, that we see people doing in, in grocery stores. Right. Uh, so it, it, uh, meanwhile, we've got uh, civic unrest uh, all across the country over the spring and summer. Uh, we have uh, we have people dying. <laughs> it, it just didn't seem like a good time to continue with our light and airy and breezy coverage of 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 local soccer. Uh, we were very uncomfortable continuing to do that. We had lots of talks as this, uh, as the pandemic and as our uh, national events unfolded, we just didn't feel comfortable doing it. And uh, we made a conscious decision to wait until uh, until things uh, changed a little bit. Uh, we started, I didn't even, you know, frankly, I boycotted watching Major League Soccer until the playoffs. And... Uh, it, it, it was just a, it's been a really difficult time for a lot of people. And I know that there's, uh, there's, uh, thought around, uh, public thinking around, um, you know, Hey, you know, people need an escape sports is that escape. Sure. But in the midst of all this, we also had collective bargaining with the, uh, with, with, um, the, the MLSPA, the MLS players association. Right. And they had, they had to, uh, the the league forced a ton of concessions uh, on salary on uh, on a lot of a lot of issues and the players also forced some concessions uh, that made things a little bit more equitable for players and now we find um, in this late hour that uh, MLS is invoking something called force majeure and maybe we could talk about this a little bit later um but they are uh they're they're basically reneging on the contract that was that was negotiated and signed and so i mean this kind of reflects our thinking on why we've why we have not covered major league soccer and uh these uh these smaller leagues And 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 the the behavior of the league seems to reflect uh, <laughs> our fears and our thinking around that. It's, it, it's just turned out. Society. Right. It's, it's it's the worst parts of society basically yeah. manifested in front of you as sport and game. It's and so like horrifying. I completely understand your decision to not do the show. Uh, I had an episode uh, with Mike Dugar and with mm -hmm. Andrew Hammond where we talked about like sports right now is problematic and we don't deserve sports. Mm -hmm. uh, and I talked on my end of the season wrap up about how like I watched the Sounders less this year than I have any other year. Yeah. And I was less invested in it because there's bigger issues. Yeah. Uh, we're heading into 2021. Yes, sir. And one of my one of my hopes is is that like there's light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. That light that light may be a train. So who knows? Uh, <laughs> so I'm curious. What are some of the stories that flounders are going to be focusing on in the new year? We are absolutely coming back uh, uh, full force. We've got uh, a new cast member. He's uh, been an occasional you know listener of the pod, or a frequent listener of the pod, and uh, he's just one of the smartest people I know. Uh, John Murphy, uh, also a friend of Channel 253, he's going to be joining the cast this season, uh, as well as hopefully we'll have uh, additional, you know, coverage from Kat Peterson and uh, other friends of the show uh, that you've got used to over the past couple of years. Tim Hamilton, of course, uh, Muffin Top Model on the Twitter is is going to be, you know, producing the memes, uh, the memetic warfare, as they say, uh, and uh, doing doing lots of fun stuff and bring his uh, his positive attitude uh, to our shows. We are definitely looking at uh, how uh, Major League Soccer and MLSPA are going to be negotiating their contracts, renegotiating apparently their contracts over the next few years, uh, I'm sorry, over the next year and uh, seeing what that looks like, we're going to be covering OL Rain and the uh, the changes uh, locally here that uh, may impact the original plan to uh, re uh, to build a soccer uh, build a soccer complex, a, a soccer specific stadium uh, on the Foss site here in Tacoma. We'll be covering that. Uh, go ahead. 
Stop slapping your hand. Oh, sorry. I keep hanging the microphone. <laughs> Doug is like looking at me. I'm like, it's not me. It's not me. <laughs> Do you need me to repeat right. any of that? No, you're well, okay. Yes. Great. Uh, uh, so uh, the the local municipal developments here in the city of Tacoma and with Tacoma Parks uh, regarding the soccer specific stadium, and uh, maybe changing expectations about how teams uh, impacted by this, including uh, including Tacoma Defiance and OL Rain, uh, will have uh, on this uh, uh, you know, the expectations changing about about their contribution to this this major civic project, or whether this thing will even move forward. Uh, we're also interested, of course, in um, uh, in the Seattle Sounders and their continued uh, their continued dynasty. I'd like to say, you know, uh, they didn't win MLS Cup this year, but uh, they're you know a, a a conference championship is nothing to sneeze at, and uh, they just continue to win trophies, and that just makes us makes us really happy. Uh, what else? What else is in the uh, oh uh, MLS expansion? Uh, kind of the the saga that's happening right now with respect to um, respect to uh, uh, Inter Miami <laughs> down there in Florida and the naming rights uh, Inter Milan um, and a lot of that stuff. Uh, owners being ridiculous will definitely be a significant portion of our coverage this year uh, because that's something that always happened. Merritt Paulson. Uh, into the sea with you, uh, <laughs> and that sort of thing. So uh, we're definitely excited to bring you all the premium soccer content that you have come to expect from the Flounders B team in 2021. Love it, love it. So, Stephen, I'm asking everybody, what's your super, super specific prediction for 2021? My super, super specific prediction uh, is that there will be a significant uh, series of strikes and lockouts in Major League Soccer. Uh, that will stop play uh, for at least two months at the beginning of the season. Well, that's very specific. I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> Way to dig in there. Way to dig in there. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is Steve Kelson, Flounders Between Podcast. Really glad to be part of the network, man. Yep. And then, Steve, if people want to find the show, like, obviously, they know it's Flounders B Team, but, like, where are you on the socials and all that stuff? Uh, we are on floundersbteam.com, um, and that's just all one word, no hyphens or any of that. Uh, floundersbteam.com is our website. Uh, you can find me at podfish, P-O-D-F-I-S-H, uh, and then Flounders B Team, F-L-O-U-N-D-E-R-S-B-T-E-A-M, on Twitter, on Instagram, and I think that's it. <laughs> you don't have a Tumblr? <laughs> we don't have a Tumblr. <laughs> Shittysoccertakes.tumblr.com. <laughs> Steve, always good to talk to you. Absolutely. Love you, man. All right. We will be back with Hope Teague from the Interchangeable White Ladies. Hey, welcome back to the show. Uh, this is segment number three. First time doing three segments. I kind of like it. Um, we are now joined by the lovely gracious and wonderful Hope Team Bowling, um, one half or one third, depending on the day, of the Interchangeable White Ladies podcast. Hope, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So we're talking today to uh, hosts on the network about like what they have on tap for 2021. So what are some of the things that IWL is going to take on this year? Well, one of the things um, that we pride ourselves on in the show is being responsive to the needs in the community and the conversations that are happening um, on a larger scale and then trying to kind of capitalize on those or capture them and respond to them accordingly. So last year, we certainly didn't predict predict that COVID was going to happen or that we would be concerned about teaching online um, in the midst of the pandemic. And those were some of the things that kind of uh, evolved in the topics of our show. Um, and also, we spent a, bit, a fair amount of time uh, trying to use our platform to elevate the voices of women of color and to share um, the mic with them in terms of the businesses and supporting local black women owned businesses. And so as we look forward to this year, you know, we have a lot of things that we're excited about. Um, obviously, the way that education is going to continue to need to be transformed, or will we keep doing the same, same, same? Um, how are we going to respond when vaccines are distributed? 
more equitably and consistently to educators what it look like for a shift to face-to-face teaching. But of course, like if you've listened to the show and maybe if you haven't, we don't just, we're not just teacher nerds. I mean, we are. No, but you, 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 you are though, for real though. Like for bigger real. than that. I mean, part of our show, our focus is to talk about things that are intersectional or to talk about things in an intersectional way. And so just what is the overlap with these different issues in regards to race, class, gender, sexuality, sexual orientation, religion, um, all those different pieces. And so um, in thinking about your question today, you know, we really just been throwing out a lot of ideas. You know, we have a pretty long Google Doc that um, is can't, where we hold all of our ideas and, and, and hopes for the coming year. You have a long Google Doc full of Shot. ideas. The three of us do love a good spreadsheet, not going to lie. Okay. So you all are all educators. So Annie's an educator, Megan's an educator, you're an educator. What are some of the school conversations? Because so I think you and I both struggle with the idea that like we're teachers, but we don't want to have necessarily an education centric concept. Con, con, uh, sorry, education specific conversation on our podcast, but education is always like adjacent in or in the yeah. periphery. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, what are some of the ed conversations you're going to have this year? Well, as I mentioned, um, the things about coming back to face to face teaching. What does it mean? Um, I guess how do we look at the kind of education students have had this last year. I, I, there's a lot of talk um, about how are students behind or are they ahead? Or um, we all know that this pandemic has really accentuated the gaps and in inequalities and in, inequity in the system that we have in the U.S., particularly in public schools. Um, however, what does that mean moving forward? And are we looking at it in a deficit model? Like, how are we looking at it? So there's, of course, that piece to be discussed. Um, we can't, we cannot ignore the fact that, you know, AP is coming around the corner and you're an AP teacher. I mean, you understand it's probably gonna be a hot topic on your show as well. May I, may I really fast? Yeah, I get it. If anybody listening to this conversation works for the college board and in particular, if your name is Trevor Packer, I do not like your choices. I'm not going to attack you personally because be better. I'm not going to attack you personally because like I'm trying to be a bigger person. I'm 42 years old, trying to be good. But like, am I 42 or am I 41? You're 41. I'm 41 years old. Thank you. Um, but like, I don't like any of your choices and what you're doing is not what's best for kids. And I tried to tell you that last year in an open letter in the Washington Post. And I tried to tell you that last year via tweets. And I tried to tell you that last year on a podcast. And I'm telling you now that like, you are not making good choices. I forgot for a minute that you were talking to Trevor Packer and I felt like I was being reprimanded for something I did in your class, but I was like, I'm not even in your class. And then I realized, oh yeah, you're talking to Trevor Packer. All right. All right. All right. So one, please. Well, and, and so we're, as you mentioned earlier, you know, thinking about things that are also on the periphery, but also critical to have a conversation about. Um, one of my co-hosts brought up one of the things we'd like to discuss and really thinking about what are the implications this year uh, of the pandemic on work and like what do we understand about work and labor in particular Women seem to be, well, women are bearing um, a heavy burden when it comes to work and becoming caretakers in a way that they haven't before or haven't had to. And so in terms of economic loss, money loss, status loss, um, professionalism, there's just a lot of things around that. And so I think that'll be one of the conversations that we um, have this year. And let's be honest, gaslighting, I mean, there's just so much of it left and right um, that's happening. So I think that'll be a big part of the conversation. I'm really excited for that women in the pandemic conversation. I'm somebody, I've talked on the show before, like how I'm obtuse and I only learn when I have object lessons. So like I was frankly a homophobe until I had gay students. Um, I was a transphobe until I had trans students. Um, I held misogynistic views until I got to see the world through the eyes of women. And now I understand that like, frankly, dudes are trash and every dude I know is married to a woman who's better than them. And so sexism to me is repugnant. I say all that to say also ableism and like with my mother being 80 years yeah, old, of course. I say all that to say that like I have firsthand experience looking at how the pandemic is impacting working women and the jobs that women do disproportionately put them um, on the front lines. And I hate using war metaphors, but like, I'm really excited to hear that conversation about like nursing and about childcare and about teaching and about, and about, and about, and about. Yeah. I think one of the big, you know, our mission has always been jokingly, we started with the hashtag be less basic, but every time we talk about changing that or reforming that it's like, no, we're, we're still all real basic and we need to continue to move ourselves on that trajectory out of that. And I don't know that we ever will be, but I think that's part of our, our focus every year. And especially this year, you know, what are those blinders that we have? What are the things we're not thinking about? How do we move away from performative wokeness? Um, what does that look like in every new iteration? And as you know, white people are going to stay being white and uh, raggedy. So there'll be plenty of things to talk about in the coming year. 
I, I was going to ask that next. You all seem to have this penchant for finding like little quirky stories about, you know, cultural appropriation. Oh my gosh. You better listen to the next episode that's coming out very, very soon because do we have a doozy for you? But I'm sure many of you, our listeners, um, have heard already about American Mahjong um, and all wait, that's wait, behind wait, wait, that. Wait, 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 hold on. Just so, wait. I got to cut you off here. So you and I were in Chengdu, China in 2014, and I learned how to play Mahjong. I'm very good at Mahjong. You're not that good. My, I just think you have experience playing other games. Fine. I am dominoes. the best Mahjong player in this household. Um so, ooh, death eyes. Um, so, I guess my question is, is what in the hell is American Mahjong? Well, first of all, you need to go to Instagram and nope. look at three whites. Just kidding. Um, you'll find out listening to the episode. One more bit of collaboration that you and I are engaged in is that we're both doing the same book for book club. Yeah, I'm super excited. We um, are doing a collab uh, on the book cast by Isabel Wilkerson. And it's so exciting to think about our overlapping conversations that we'll have and just the way that listeners are tweeting about the book uh, we're using the hashtag ReadLessBasic. Or? Nerd Farm Reads. And uh, we're really excited to get a variety of perspectives on this book and think about the ways that it is reaching and touching people. Um, yeah, I'm so excited to talk more about it. I intend to record my book club conversation in late January. So if you are reading the book, you still have time to get your tweets in. Uh, and again, yeah, tag them with either tag, Read Less Basic and Nerd Farm Reads. And both shows are going to record a conversation about the book cast by Isabel Wilkerson, and it's amazing. By the way, Obliques here. Uh, if you want to listen to the book, you can cop a copy from Libro FM. Uh, if you use promo code Tacoma when you sign up for Libro FM, you will get one free book for your first month membership. For Libro, it's $15 a month, and so you get a book credit for $15 a month. If you use promo code Tacoma when signing up, you'll get two books, so a book for free. Yeah, free books. Make your free book cast. All right, so Hope, last thing. I'm asking each person who comes on to make a very specific prediction about 2021. Well, first, I'm just going to close my eyes and rub my forehead and look into the future. And based on the seven days that we've had into 2021, I really believe that some young white women are going to further appropriate something from an ancient civilization or culture, probably developed by a black or brown person. I feel like that's predicting rain in Seattle or Tacoma. Like, that's not really fair. Okay, okay, fine. Uh, I think that probably between 500 and mm, 2,000 conservatives, mm, let's go right-wing folks, mm, maybe bearded, maybe wearing some camo. I think maybe I picture some AKs, maybe storming another important building. Uh, that's not specific enough. Give me a date. Uh, let's go, I don't know, March 27th. March 27th. That date seems familiar to me. Why March 27th? Why March 27th? Gosh, I don't know. 11 years ago, something really Hey, hey, hey. Hey, I remember, by the way, 27th is our wedding anniversary. All right. Um, Hope, thank you for coming on the show. If if people want to find IWL and listen to the show, like besides like looking up IWL on the social medias, where can they look? Uh, we are on Twitter at IWL underscore podcast and also on Facebook. We post there regularly. And, of course, um, you can find our podcasts on any of your podcasters. Um, thank you for tuning to this conversation and downloading. I, I strongly encourage you to check out the uh, shows here on Channel 253. I will be back next week or next episode with a conversation with Marguerite Martin, the pod auntie, and it's going to be a continuation of our conversation about housing and real estate. We'll come forever, y'all. Wash your damn hands. Wear a mask. Get a vaccine when you can. Bye. Channel 253 is a member-supported podcast network. I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I'm asking you to become a member and show your support. Go to channel253.com slash membership to join. Thank you. Nerd Farmer is part of the Channel 253 Podcast Network. Check out our other shows. Interchangeable White Ladies, Give Me the Mic, We Are Tacoma, Move to Tacoma, Taco Man, Flounder's B-Team, Crossing Division, Citizen Tacoma, and What Say You? This is Channel 253.